0: Oh, shit. Mitch isn't here. So Angry T is hosting the coin toss. That's right. I've taken full control, boys. One surprise topic off the rip. Here we go. John, I have a coin. And since you get the rare opportunity of being a contestant in the coin toss, you get to make the call. Heads or tails?
1: Oh, my gosh. I'm almost speechless. This is this is the moment I've been waiting for. I'm going heads. Heads.
0: It is tails. Give me the ball. Trey wants the ball. Give me the ball. Aggressive. Aggressive. That's All right. right, Trey. Here we go. A rift is growing between Odell Beckham Jr. and the Browns organization. He was excused from practice today, and there are reportedly talks between OBJ's agent and the organization to see if a financial solution can be agreed upon to end his time with Cleveland. We don't know what's going to happen, but here's the question. If OBJ were to hit the waivers where would you hope he lands to recoup some of his fallen value
2: so which team do i hope picks up obj off of waivers
0: yes because he will be hitting waivers uh, okay because the trade deadline is passed he won't be a free agent
2: okay yeah the the obvious answer for me is the chiefs right the chiefs have a significant hole at wide receiver two yep. and we know that they haven't really ever had anybody fill that spot but i don't think that's because you know, they don't necessarily want that extra weapon. I just don't think Nicole Hardman or Byron Pringle or Demarcus Robinson were ever really up to the challenge. So if you get somebody with the all-pro talent level of OBJ, I know he's a little bit past his prime at this point, but uh, you get him in there in that system, in that offense, I think he would have a huge spike in his dynasty value, uh, probably more so than any other team in the NFL.
0: Yeah, like uh, Chris Harris was saying on his podcast this week, it would be good if now that defenses are playing cover two against Mahomes and the Chiefs, it would be good if their wide receiver two had any chance at beating single coverage. So Odell Beckham Jr. would be nice there. John. I know you're not a huge Odell Beckham Jr. fan to begin with, but where do you think he could land that would recoup some of this value?
1: Uh, I'm going to galaxy brain this one a little bit. Um, After seeing A.J. Green basically be resurrected in Arizona and DeAndre Hopkins maybe kind of on the mend a little bit, I think Arizona makes a lot of sense. That's a place that's going to be low pressure. He's not going to have to play every down. They're going to put him in situations that are going to make him successful. And Kingsbury, he loves wide receivers, so why the hell not? Send him to Arizona.
2: I hate that, personally. <laughs> and the correct answer was the Saints as the number two option. Who's going to uh, throw it to him, Trey? Right. Well, hey, we'll we'll get to that point. But, uh, you know, really props to Tarek for uh, stepping in for Mitch and immediately going with the 32-sided coin.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Hey, I knew I, I should have mentioned, like, this is a classic Mitch coin toss that, I, you know, I, I know Mitch is going to love it. And I know Trey loves it even more.
2: I guess I guess it's a 31 sided coin because the Cleveland is, you know, excluded right by default. So
1: he could stay with Cleveland, though. And, you know, he
2: could and yeah, he, he's not going to, though.
1: OK, well, you got to an answer, too, though. So what were you thinking there?
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I think the Saints is where he has the most clear and immediate role. Uh, and I think they clearly need a receiver there. So I wouldn't mind seeing that, even though, As of this point, it's kind of unclear who's throwing him the ball. Like Trey said, we'll uh, we'll get to that in the main portion of the show. Um, I also wouldn't mind the Rams, honestly, like just stack them all there. You know, like Van Jefferson, Deshaun Deshaun Jackson has been cut. Yeah. You know, I'm not a big Van Jefferson guy. So if he could be the wide receiver three on the Rams, I think he'd carry some weekly PPR value. Yeah, let's speculate. Notice when I did the intro, I said one surprise topic off the rip. And I I intentionally did not say two sides of a coin mm.
2: the the attentive listener would have picked up on that foreshadowing.
0: <laughs> this is not binary. <laughs> what. The fuck is going on, everyone? Welcome into the Long Game Dynasty podcast, a weekly roundtable discussion about Dynasty fantasy football. I'm your host, Tarek Angry T. Benshwea. With me today, John Alexander and Trey Cryon. Mitch is out of the office today, but John, what's going on, man?
1: Uh, normally, I take this opportunity to talk about a college player, but I got to tell you, I, I need to use this time for something else here. Uh, I'm really depressed guys I'm a it's not a secret I'm a Nebraska Cornhuskers fan and Austin FC fan and if you know if you've been following those teams at all you know they're both at the bottom of their conference currently so it's it's not a secret that y'all are Cowboys fans so I just got to know how do you deal with the continued depression like I know you've been dealing with it being Cowboys fans for so long (laughs) so give me some strategies here how do I deal with the losses over and over and over again
0: yeah I mean for me I've said it on the podcast before uh when they're doing well I'm all about the Cowboys and when they're not uh I'm a Fairweather fan, you know? And I wear that belt proudly.
2: That that Cowboy belt buckle proudly.
0: <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So I mean, look, people will call me a bad fan or a coward. I'm just I'm just taking care of myself, bro. Right now go Cowboys, but you Ooh. know yeah. When Jerry Jones and and Stephen Jones inevitably fuck it up again. I don't know. Go go fantasy team. That's all I care about.
2: Yeah, John. And and the trees are an expansion team, right? So you can't really be too surprised by the struggles in year one. They'll they'll grow into uh, into their place in the, the league. But uh, they'll get some deeper yeah, they, roots,
1: you might say. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. They'll yeah.
2: establish some roots. Yeah. 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 But Nebraska, not, dude, uh, you just got to start for Notre Dame.
1: Oh, come on now come on
2: (laughs) hey you live in central texas
0: so you can jump on the you know trash fire that is the university of texas
1: longhorns if you'd like it's like all of texas like tcu dismissed their legendary coach like in the middle of the season and it's like who am i gonna root for texas tech screw those guys they're firing their coach too
0: yeah tcu and their legendary very sweaty coach
2: (laughs) yeah i mean i know where john's coming from with the uh the fan of the bad team uh perspective you know i'm a Astros fan. Ooh. Been an Astros fan for a long time. They were the worst team in the league for a long time. And uh, you know, now they've been to uh five or three World Series in five years and they just blew it last night against the Braves. So, you know, baseball's over. Oh well. Uh, but they really embarrassed themselves with that whole scandal thing that came out about two years ago. So uh I've been my fanship has been a little bit uh rocky since then. But uh yeah, John, I don't know what to tell you besides uh for your your huskers, it's not going to get any better. Um, but you know, maybe the trees will turn around.
1: We all like bad things, Trey. I think that's the moral of the story.
2: Yeah, well, questionable judgment, I guess.
0: We like things that are bad for us. I think that's you know that's that's just being human, guys. Yeah. All right, let's move in to the show. We're going to start with a news section because there's a lot of news this week that affects uh, your dynasty leagues and dynasty player values. Really quickly, um, the Henry Rugg situation, it's harrowing. It's unfortunate um, thoughts to the victims. That's all we're going to say. We're, we're not going to uh, talk about dynasty values when it comes to this situation. It's just not appropriate. So just thoughts to the victim. Uh, with that being said, probably the biggest news of the week uh, in terms of player value has to be the king, Derrick Henry. Um, he broke his foot. He's going to be out at least eight weeks or what is likely the rest of the fantasy season. He's turning 28 in January. Guys, uh, this is rough. Uh, where did Derrick Henry move for y'all in your rankings?
1: I kicked him down to running back 19 in my personal rankings. And uh, it's unfortunate Mitch isn't here. I was hoping he could convince me to move him back up. But I mean, he's old and he's broken. So uh, I just can't. That's, that's where he's got to be for me right now. What about you, Trey?
2: Yeah, i I dropped him down into the same range. I've got him right around guys like J.K. Dobbins, who's also out for the year, but much, much younger. And David Montgomery, who should be back this season, but you know, equally, uh, I'm I'm a little bit concerned about the upside there. So he's at like sixteen or seventeen for me. But um uh, it's really a shame because he had really, you know, just uh evolved into this, you know, monster <laughs> for uh the Titans this year and for fantasy. And, um, you know, if you're a, a Henry manager, then uh, this is definitely a, a significant blow uh, to your, you know, contending status for the playoffs. Uh, looking at his replacements on the Tennessee roster, uh, they did sign Adrian Peterson off the couch uh, this week. So we got the return of uh, AD, uh, the former All Pro. Uh, I, for one, am steering clear. I know you guys are probably higher on Peterson than I am. Uh, Personally, I like this uh, Jeremy McNichols guy, the pass-catching back in Tennessee. Um, I think he'll probably see an expanded role as well. I think he has to with Derrick Henry going down. And uh, yeah, give me the guy who's got that floor uh, and the upside in the pass-catching game. Jeremy
0: McNichols is a a J.J. Zacharison special from 2017. He He was all on Jeremy McNichols, so we'll see if that turns around. Yeah, I did put in some aggressive bids in my... Uh, dynasty leagues in terms of fab on Adrian Peterson. Like my, my expectations are tempered. Like I'm not using him this week anywhere. Uh, even in places where my running back situation is really bad because I want to see what happens. Um, I just think there's a chance that the 36 year old could get some meaningful volume in uh, a decent running offense. Um, and Just by that chance, he was worth a big fab spend because, you know, you can't take it with you. Yeah, for sure. Uh, This isn't singular wireless doesn't roll over. So, you know, once once uh, you use that fab um, on a player like Adrian Peterson, it's likely that you're not going to get much value returned on it. But it's also there's a potential that you could turn that into a second round pick. Right. So, yeah, uh, it's just kind of opportunity cost there.
2: Yeah. So you mentioned cellular wireless. How about boost mobile? Where are you at? on the trade market for uh jeremy mcnipples right now because uh i i do have him on one team that's a rebuilder and i sent uh, an offer out to try to get Allen robinson and uh still waiting to hear back on that offer but uh that's the deal i'd really like to get done
0: like trade away jeremy mcnichols for Allen robinson
2: yeah do you guys think that i'm like totally like unrealistic on that offer there yeah yes. that would be insane uh. if somebody <laughs>
0: accepted that um yeah, nice. i would love it i hope i hope for your uh, sake that they do. And I wouldn't discourage anybody from sending out those kind of batshit offers. Um, bat but shit. Okay. yeah, I so mean, that's, that's
2: the assessment. <laughs> got it. <laughs> point taken.
0: It's really it's really just a wait and see at this point. You know, it sucks about Derrick Henry. I I moved him down to that running back 17 range as well. Um, I think like if you're one of those teams, we talked about this last week with Allen Robinson, uh, who met, who uh, Trey just brought up. Like, if you're one of those teams who thinks 2022 is their year and you can get Derrick Henry at a super discount, um, then you could, you know, poke around. Um, but, yeah, at this point, I'd rather have J.K. Dobbins uh, than Derrick Henry in every single situation, Yeah. whether I'm a contender or a rebuilder or somewhere in the middle. Sure. OK, uh, next piece of news. Uh, let's talk about Calvin Ridley a little bit. Uh, he's stepping away from football. Uh, for an undetermined amount of time to take care of his mental health, uh, to work, in his words, on being uh, a more healthy person. Uh, so shout out to him uh, for taking that step. Um, but in terms of his dynasty value, did did this uh, change anything for y'all?
2: Yeah, I mean, this one particularly hurts for me because on two different contending rosters, I did make trades for Ridley over the past two weeks. So uh yeah, he was a prime by candidate
0: because of his peripheral numbers, right?
2: Yeah, this is a bummer uh, for sure. Uh, but, you know, I I do respect the decision by Calvin Ridley. It's uh, I think it's a testament to where we've kind of, you know, reached as a society that a, a guy like this at the peak of his game can step away for you know whatever time he needs for his mental health. And uh, I haven't moved him yet. I haven't touched him in my ranks uh, just because it's such an ambiguous situation. We don't really know anything about the timeline here. Uh, but I don't want to even bring up the comparison to these other ambiguous legal situations because you know in those cases I think that it's very likely that that's you know career ending for a guy like Henry Ruggs or a guy like Deshaun Watson whereas with like Calvin Ridley I think there's a lot of reason to expect that he will be back uh, later this season or if not this year next year but We'll wait and see.
1: Yeah, I was just going to say that basically the same thing. I haven't moved him at all. This situation doesn't change anything for me. I think the Falcons are still a question mark in 2022. They may have a new quarterback then. And at that point, he's still uh, a guy that I would like to have on my roster um, as a veteran who would be like a support for a new quarterback. So I'm assuming he's coming back. I didn't read what he said as a retirement at all. He needs to take some time. And I think that's fine. I think that's going to be better for him long term. So more power to him. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. He had moved down one spot, uh, in my rankings earlier this week. Um, but that was just because of the ascendance of Cooper cup. It wasn't, uh, because of this situation. So he's currently my wide receiver 10. John's got him at wide receiver eight and Trey has got him at wide receiver nine. So all in the same range. All right, let's talk about these saints because there's two, um, new Orleans saints that, uh, some pretty serious news came out, uh, actually in the last couple of days today, we learned that Michael Thomas, uh, wide receiver for the saints will be out for the year after suffering a setback in his ankle injury recovery. Uh, this is rough. Uh, I know there's a lot of people out there who are advocating to go by for Michael Thomas. A lot of people stashing him on redraft leagues and contending teams, hoping that he would help you down the stretch, because as we mentioned earlier, they really, really need a wide receiver uh, doing some stuff out there uh, for their offense. So uh, as I asked with the other guys, did, did this have an effect on your rankings and your valuation of Michael Thomas? Oh, yes, Yeah.
1: Oh, yes, it did. I have dropped him. I think I've always been the highest on Michael Thomas on the spot, and I've got him all the way down at wide wide receiver 36 in my dynasty rankings it's just another last season, right? And when you're getting older, you, the every year counts a little bit more. Uh, so not only is he going to have to recover, but he's going to have to try and recover and get back to that elite place that he was. And I just don't think that's going to happen. I I think he's still going to be a nice flex play at some point in his career, but he's never going to be the wide receiver one like he once was. Yeah. Uh, and so that's why I've got him at 36. Cause I think he's still going to retain some value the same way you all think Odell's going to perhaps retain some value, but uh, it's not going to be anything near what it used to be.
2: No, I completely agree with that, John. I've got, got him about uh, 10 spots lower than you do now. And uh, it, I'm, this news really sucks. Uh, this is somebody who I de- definitely thought was coming back this year and was going to be a contributor. And you know now we're kicking that can down the road again. Uh, it seems like there's something larger happening in the relationship between him and the Saints organization. So if I had to bet right now, I would bet that he's not playing in New Orleans uh, next year. Uh, but you know, I guess we'll, we'll find out what happens there. Uh, yeah, I think this is very much like the Odell Beckham situation from last off season. Uh, I don't think he ever returns to that wide receiver one value. And you know, this is just going to be a name going forward. So I am happy to start moving on from him in all formats if I can, but, um, yeah, I don't know if you're even really going to be able to get value right now. So it's probably more of a hold for me at this point.
0: Yeah, I was drafting a lot of Michael Thomas um, before the original news about his ankle injury and being placed on the pup. I thought he was just like a smashing value in the sixth round of startups. Yeah. So I had a lot of Michael Thomas. And then once that news uh, hit, I maybe depending on what you think a panic sell is, I I panic sold Michael Thomas everywhere uh, and got out for what I could, you know, throwing him into trades just to get him off of my roster. And it turns out that it looks like that panic cell ended up um, returning OK value. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, like like Trey said, if you are in the position where Michael Thomas is on your team, uh, you know what's coming now. Right. He's not going to be here for the rest of the year. That should mean he's healthy next year. And yeah, I would agree with Trey. I don't think he's playing another snap for the Saints. All right. Saints quarterback James Winston, ACL tear and MCL damage. He's out for the year. According to some beat reporters, he's not expected to be back on the Saints next year throwing the football. That's category two stuff. We don't really know if that's what's going to happen. But um, what do you all think about this Jameis Winston news?
2: Yeah, so Jameis was a guy I got really excited about after week one. I think a lot of people got excited after those five touchdowns. And, uh, you know, he's had a couple of big weeks since then, but nothing close to that week one performance. Uh, So he was somebody who was sitting in the low end. QB two high-end QB three range for me before he's now dropped down to quarterback 34. I have him around guys like Davis Mills and Kyle Trask, those like two rookie second day, two picks who, you know, I don't really believe in their upside. So they're all kind of in that same range for me, whereas they're not going to really return any uh, value this year, but maybe you get something out of them down the road. So, um, yeah, he's really not going to, you know, uh, give you anything for a contender this year. And for a rebuilder, I wouldn't really break the bank for him at all.
1: Yeah. I'm, I'm in the same place. Basically. I've got him at QB 30, uh, sandwiched between Teddy Bridgewater and, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, Ben Roethlisberger guys that you, you probably aren't going to give you any value next year. So, uh, you know, you stash them if you want to, I guess, but, um, You know, I think I'd rather have a guy like Mitchell Trubisky right now, a guy he seems much more likely to be on an NFL team actually throwing the ball at some point next year. So,
2: John, do you think Winston gets a starting job? Because I don't.
1: No, I definitely don't think he's going to. I think he's going to be a backup somewhere next year, but I don't think he ever starts again. Yeah. Unless there's an injury or something.
2: Yeah, I agree with
0: that. I have Jameis at QB 36. I don't think he's going to immediately be a starter next year, but something tells me that Jameis Winston's going to get another chance. Like he he'll intentionally go to an ambiguous situation, uh, like an ambiguous quarterback room. Uh, and he'll get a chance to throw the ball again.
2: I guess, I guess there's a world he gets like that Ryan Fitzpatrick bridge YOLO type quarterback, you know, (laughs) like the bridge guy. That's what he is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he kind of fits a similar mold in a lot of ways, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't think he's ever going to be a reliable uh starter again in this league. And uh yeah, so I feel good about him in this range. Okay, let's kick off this first half. And Trey, we're throwing it to you
0: because it builds off of this Jameis Winston ACL tear.
2: Yeah, yeah. So I mean, obviously this sucks for Jameis Winston, but it opens up opportunity for the guys behind him on that roster. So uh the guy who is most interesting to me is Taysom Hill, especially if you're a contender right now. So yes. Taysom couldn't beat out Jameis for the job in the off season. you know, oh, well, uh, chalk that up to Jameis Winston, you know, maybe being a better quarterback. Uh, and I'm not really worried about Trevor Simeon at all. Uh, so right now, Taysom Hill is essentially free. And I think he's the most likely starter going forward, uh, just as soon as he clears the concussion protocol. So the saints have shown, they've got a really strong defense this year And they are just absolutely avoiding passing whatsoever. Uh, So they are currently bottom three in pass attempts with uh, 27.7 pass attempts per game. The only two teams in the league with less averaging less than that are Seattle and Chicago. So they are not really going to pass the ball a lot, but that means they're going to be running it. And that's what I want. I'm going after those rushing attempts. So last year, uh, playing a full season, Taysom Hill, was number three in the NFL in red zone carries with 28, and he was number three in the NFL in QB rushing touchdowns. He had eight, which was tied with Josh Allen. So there's tons and tons of upside there in the rushing game. Uh, and right now you can there's all these guys going in the same range as Taysom Hill on keep trade cut. Guys like Sonny Michelle, Jamichael Hasty, Tyler Johnson, Gerald Everett. I would take Taysom Hill over all four of those guys. And then there's quarterbacks like those day two rookies like Davis Mills and Kyle Trask, who are also in that same area. I would definitely take Taysom Hill over either of those guys too, just because I don't think there's any ceiling there. So Taysom Hill presents a lot of upside for a contender. I think it's a great QB three if you're looking to make a playoff push this year.
1: Yeah, I think it's deja vu all over again. It's like this time last year, Drew Brees had the broken ribs. And all the all the fantasy folks were saying, "Yeah, go get go get uh, Taysom Hill if you're a contender." And here we are again. Uh, and I like the take. Um, I I acquired Taysom Hill on my roster about this time last year, and uh, you know he he was solid enough as a QB two because um, I had to play him as a QB two, and I think that's what he's going to be this year. I think you're going to be able to start him as your QB two, and he's going to get you a solid fifteen to twenty points, and you're going to be happy with it. Uh, so yeah, if you're a contender, sure. He's on that four-year fake contract, so I don't know how what the outlook is long-term. But definitely this year, I'm pretty comfortable, especially knowing now, uh, I, I think Taysom Hill is the better quarterback between him and Trevor Simeon, so I'm not worried about that at all. So you can confidently start him. It's not like last year when we thought Drew Brees was going to come back, right. and he eventually did. So yeah, I think it's a solid move for a contender, and at those prices, definitely, Um What's the, what's the maximum you'd be willing to give up like a high second. I think I'd be willing to give up a high second if I had, yeah, I don't it. know
2: about a high, I don't know about a high second, but, and, and let's maybe just recognize like, there's certainly downside here, right? Like maybe more likely than not, like he's nothing this year, but the upside is like an every week consistent, uh, super flex quarterback starter. So, right. uh, I think that's worth paying up for, um, If you have a second round pick on your contending roster, so you're probably projected to be a low second, right? uh, That seems a little high, but I would probably do it if I really needed the QB depth.
0: Yeah, as long as he is the starter uh, for the Saints. And that's what we're expecting. You know, like there's people at ESPN, I believe right now they're still projecting Trevor Simeon to start and Taysom Hill to be the gadget guy. Uh, I, I don't think we expect that. I think probably going to be the starter there uh that means he's probably going to have a floor of 17 points and a ceiling of 30 points right because he's a running quarterback he's jalen hurts essentially but he's with sean payton instead of whatever's going on in philadelphia so you know he's going to st- score fantasy points um and uh yeah i like this take i'm willing to pay a sec- any second round any for Taysom Hill personally, if, uh, I need him, uh, if I could use a super flex starter. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I agree.
2: One last thing, if you haven't done so already, Ian book is a good stash too, uh, for the very end of your bench. So I saw Kevin Sims, uh, picked him up in our, uh, our main dynasty league. So, uh, yeah, that's a shout out there, Kevin. And, uh, yeah, that's a good move too, for a stash candidate.
1: Let's go golden domers. They're my new favorite team.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Shout out
0: Sims. All right. Ian book it's it, he's he's got rushing upside too right mm. not like hill does
1: i mean he has legs okay. if that's what you mean
0: <laughs> all right john let's move on to you for your first insight talking another quarterback
1: yeah so i mentioned that this time last year i traded <clears throat>, Taysom hill and actually i traded with you Tarek, and do you do you remember who uh, the other quarterback involved in that trade was
0: I mean, I can guess based on our show notes here, but I do not remember the trade. Uh, at all. This
1: is the same it's about the same time. Uh, Drew Brees, uh, I had lost uh, Joe Burrow for the season, and I was considering myself a contender. And uh, Drew Brees had just gone down, so it was more complicated than that. But essentially, I got Taysom Hill, and you got Joe Burrow. Uh, a trade that I regret to this day.
0: <laughs> uh,
1: anyway, uh, I'm going to talk about Joe Burrow because the reason I regret that that trade uh, about a year ago is because for me, Joe Burrow is verging on that tier one dynasty QB status. And when I mean tier one, we, we generally talk about the same, it it changes for everybody, but most people talk about the same six guys of Mahomes, Josh Allen, Kyler Murray, Lamar, Dak, and my favorite, Justin Herbert. Uh, Let's talk a little bit about Joe Burrow, who's currently my QB seven in my rankings. Uh, He's averaging just over 20 points per game this season, really solid, uh, but more recently, it looks like Cincinnati's just let just letting him go because uh, they're not concerned about the injury to his knee anymore. He's averaging 300 yards passing in the last five games, throwing the ball 30 to 35 times per average uh, per game. And in that same span, he's not really running the ball at all, which is great because I don't want him running the ball. I don't care about the rushing stuff. I want him to protect his knee. Long term, I think I like Joe Burrow and his receiving options better than any other Uh, quarterback running wide receiver core in the entire league he's connected to uh, Jamar Chase and T Higgins for the foreseeable future and I love that Uh, so in Superflex today I would rather have Joe Burrow more than uh, T-Law, Trevor Lawrence Russ, Justin Fields and at QB7 he's actually closer to QB6 than QB8 so what's the big takeaway here for me if I have one of those quote-unquote big six QBs, uh, I'm at least checking to see if I can make a move. Like, I'm thinking DAC plus, or sorry, Dak for B- Burrow plus, or Lamar for Burrow plus. Uh, I might even make the move straight up right now, just for the long term. Uh, they're so cl- close in value for me that it makes a lot of sense to make a move like that in Superflex. And in Superflex, I'm actively trying to make moves for Burrow because I'm projecting that we're going to be talking about Burrow as a top five consensus Dynasty QB, by the as soon as the off season, so if I can make that move, I want to. And it looks like the market is catching up to me a little bit here because on keep trade cut, Brew has already moved into QB six. So uh, that's a fairly recent thing. He's very close in value to Dak. So uh, if you want to get him on your roster, it now's the time. That's it's not ever going to be any cheaper than it is right now. Now that everybody knows that he, post injury, he's back to superstar status. Um, he's a guy I want on my roster and a guy I'm trying to get on my roster.
2: Yeah, John, I, I completely agree with you. He's definitely locked in as the QB seven uh, in dynasty for me right now. I, and you're absolutely right that he is knocking on the door uh, to that top six tier. And he's right there with Dak now at the uh, the bottom of that tier. And there's only what, like four or five years age difference between him and Dak Prescott. So, um, you know, while that seems, sounds like a lot when I say it, you know, when these guys are going to be playing for another seven or eight years, like. You know, maybe it's not too much in the grand scheme of things. So uh, without that rushing upside, is he ever going to score more than Dak Prescott on a per season level? Maybe, right? Like, because we've seen Prescott hasn't been, you know, as dynamic as he's been in the past this year. And and you're right, they are starting to let Burrow cook. So that's good to see. Um, yeah, I think uh, I don't really have anything to add to this, except I did have a, somebody ask me about. Uh, If I wanted to trade Joe Burrow yesterday on one of my uh, rebuilding rosters and rather than value him at like the QB seven or whatever, I was valuing him at the same level as a guy like Justin Herbert. Now, obviously, that trade didn't get done, but I'm not going to let him go for cheap at this point.
0: Yeah, um, I overall agree with you here. I think with these top seven or eight quarterbacks, we're always going to be splitting hairs to a certain extent. Um, Especially once we get past Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, and Justin Herbert, who are kind of creating a tier, in my opinion, as a top three. But um, yeah, like splitting hairs, uh, but I would personally still take Russell Wilson. Uh, He's my QB7 over Joe Burrow. I know there's a, a pretty decent age difference there, but I think Burrow has proven himself to be a good quarterback. Um, he just hasn't gotten to the point where he's a transcendent quarterback like Russell Wilson is. And, um, so just for that reason, I'm not worried about Russell Wilson's age. I would still take Russell Wilson over Joe Burrow, but by that token, it kind of supports what you're saying here, John. Like if you wanted to make a straight up trade, like if I had Joe Burrow, Uh, and somebody offered me Russell Wilson for him, I would take that trade. I would prefer Russell Wilson. The problem is the only place I have Joe Burrow, I also have Russell Wilson in that league. Um, So I'm not going to go out and make that offer today. Um, But yeah, like I I think we're splitting hairs here. And I think you're right. Like Joe Burrows looks great. He looks over the knee injury. um, And yeah, like if he does get back to running a little bit, then that's just gravy, right? I mean, right now he's he's throwing enough. He's got those weapons. So He's, he's looking like a stable top eight quarterback uh, for the foreseeable future.
2: Yeah, and I'll, I'll let John jump in. But the reason I have Russell Wilson uh, lower, uh, like firmly lower, like forget about the injury at this point. It, it just seems like the Seattle offense refuses to ever let Russell Wilson really throw the ball like he's capable of. And, you know, I don't want to like, you know, overreact to situation or, you know, irrational sure. coaching. But I think in this like situation they have proven that that's just the way it is in seattle yeah
0: that's fair um i guess when we're splitting those hairs i'm, I'm gonna take the transcendent guy that's that's just where i'm gonna go but I, I hear what you're saying there all right uh so let's close out this first half with my first insight uh for dynasty leagues and it's pretty simple uh by zach moss as a as contender bench depth you know Zach Moss is beginning to dominate running back touches and snaps in most weeks on an offense that we know is good and is high volume. We also know that Josh Allen is the running back one there, and he's going to take a lot of red zone touchdown opportunities away. But Moss is steadily getting 12 to 15 opportunities a week in Buffalo. And this past week, he had seven targets in a close game and four red zone opportunities Shout out to Josh Larky for the numbers there. Zach Moss currently running back 33 on keep trade cut and running back 35 for DLF ADP. I think that's about right, and I think it's not hard to acquire him in many leagues for a second round pick. I'm not a huge fan of Moss talent-wise. I think he's replacement level, but this is a decent depth move for a contender to plug up some bye weeks and give you a floor in PPR leagues, if you have injuries, I have him on one of my contending rosters. Um, it's a super flex roster. It's PPR. It's pretty deep. And I've been using him as a flex almost weekly. And he's doing enough for me there to uh, to to, you know, at least hold water. What do you all think?
2: Yeah. The interesting thing with me about Zach Moss is uh, I just want to rewind back to the offseason when it, the there's a huge question mark between Zach Moss and uh, Devin Singletary. Yeah. And the, I think the question was, well, we have no idea who's going to be the lead guy here. So maybe you go after whoever you believe is more talented. But, you know, if I'm remembering correctly, I, th- I think most of us viewed both of these guys as replacement level talents, right? right. So if there's I mean,
0: I, I mean, honestly, Trey, I actually just following Chris Harris, who I trust his tape evaluation, I, I actually lean towards Singletary because because of the question mark and singletary uh, according to harris has a little bit more juice yeah
2: yeah well interesting because you know clearly uh this year has borne out that buffalo trusts zach moss a lot more yeah uh, and especially in the red zone uh so you know i don't know what we can do from a process perspective to kind of rewind and uh you know figure that out for next year so that's something i'm going to think on a bit more but uh i completely agree with the take here i think he's uh he's definitely good contender depth at this point
1: yeah, I would just add on one thing here for anybody who's listening to this and they're saying, "Hmm, uh, RB 30 to 36 kind of guy, a second round pick for that? Any any second round pick next year? I don't think you're going to end up with a running back in that same range. The running back depth does not look great in this next class. Uh, so even if you are a contender and and or if, even if you're not a contender, I don't think. The running back class is great next year and Zach Moss is probably better than a running back that you get in that second round next year. Personal opinion.
0: Yeah, let me ask uh, a pointed question and it gestures back to a player that John brought up a couple weeks ago. If you're a dynasty uh, contender, would you rather have Zach Moss or James Conner? Trey
2: Moss Moss. Yeah. OK. Yeah, I, I think the, um what we're seeing with Conner is it's like he has a role and his role is like the red zone guy and you know, he he's going to get those touchdowns, but I would rather have the guy who's going to also get some of those touches in the middle of the field too. And you know what? Zach Moss is also getting that red zone work. So, um, equally talented dynamic offenses. Give me Zach Moss. Who's like eight years younger. I'm, uh, exaggerating, but you get what I'm saying.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I I think I'd rather have Connor actually, uh, if I'm a contender, I'm thinking, how do I win the ship? And I'm going to win the ship with upside and Connor getting those red zone touches. You know, you never know when he's going to go off. Might be championship week. He ends up with four touchdowns. So I just like the upside of better, better for Connor this year. Uh, Long term, I definitely Moss for sure.
0: Yeah, give me, give me Moss in, in any situation. I think uh, he's just got a safer, safer floor. Um, but yeah, I mean, Connor is going to score those touchdowns. But uh, as we know, that's not extremely sticky. All right. Mike Check. It is halftime.
1: did you do it? You know you got the mad fat fluid when you rhyme. It's half time.
0: Okay, so uh last week. Um had a rough week, went one and three. Not a good week, guys. Um so Mitch is not here. so uh, we to are claim... 0 and
1: three.
0: <laughs> yeah, we are 0 and three on the podcast uh this week, but uh Mitch isn't here to claim uh his title as the sharp of the podcast but hey mitch we appreciate you for keeping us afloat um mitch is now seven and one on the year wow uh so well done mitch but hey we we got we got plenty of time to right this ship and get back up to a 70 percent success rate because that is our goal so uh we're picking games against the spread just as a reminder Uh, Each of us picks a game against the spread and then uh, I place a parlay on it here in Illinois and we're keeping track of, you know, overall how many picks we got right throughout the season. So, John, uh, let's start with you.
1: Well, I just got done talking all about Joe Burrow and now I'm ready to put your money where my mouth is because I'm picking (laughs) uh, I'm picking Cincinnati at home against the Browns. Uh, they're a two-and-a-half point favorite right now. I love that line because it's probably going to be close. I, you know, the Browns have a pretty good defense. Uh, I could see Cincinnati winning by a touchdown here, but I'm all aboard the bro hype train, as I just described. He looked pissed at the end of the last game, losing the Jets. Uh, you can tell he's a fiery competitor. I think he's going to come out. He's going to just light up uh, the Browns, who looked kind of suspect last week against uh, the Steelers. So give me the Cincinnati this week at minus two-and-a-half. All right,
0: so uh, Cincinnati minus two and a half, interesting. Uh, I like it, Uh, Trey. I know you had expressed some concern about Cincinnati uh, at home.
2: Yeah, I I mean, for me, Cincinnati, I think defense is a huge liability, and like the the Cincinnati defense is a lot worse than the Pittsburgh defense. So I think Cleveland's going to score a bit more than uh, ten, which is all they were able to muster last week. So. For me, this line uh, minus two and a half minus three is about right where it needs to be. But so it's about a it feels like a coin flip uh, for me. But uh, listen, John, I trust you, man. You
1: shouldn't. You should not trust me.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
0: Hey, if it's a coin flip, I like those odds. All right. So I will dictate for Mitch here who picked the Panthers plus three and a half at home against the Red Hot Patriots. So this is what Mitch said. CMC is back. Disclaimer, we don't actually know that. PJ Walker is going to cause problems with his speed. And I think the Panthers surprise some people and win this week. If anything, it should be low scoring and the sex Panthers won't lose by more than three. Interesting take there. Uh, A lot of trust in PJ Walker. Uh, Well, yeah, we'll see what happens. I mean,
2: (laughs) what do y'all think? Setting up for a defensive struggle for sure.
0: Hey, look, I'm not in a position to criticize any of Mitch's picks uh, because of how well he's done this year. But all right, uh, my pick Cardinals minus one and a half at the 49ers. This is fake sharp Cliff Kingsbury versus the new fake sharp, the real fake sharp Kyle Shanahanigans. This looks like a hedge to me by Vegas that Kyler doesn't play. Uh, minus one and a half at San Francisco. I think Kyler plays. And even if he doesn't, call me a homer, go go, horns. I think Colt McCoy is probably good enough to manage the cards to a win. Like at the very least, he's good enough to where it's a decent possibility that they win. So there's a lot of upside in that line, whether or not Kyler plays. And I think he's going to anyway. So I, I think this is, this is yeah, pretty easy for me at this juncture.
2: All right, Trey, close this out. All right, let's go with the New Jersey Jets on Thursday night football. They are 10 and a half point underdogs at Indianapolis. And, you know, part of this is uh, believing in Mike White and that 400 yard uh, performance that he just uh, showed us last weekend. But this is mostly a fade on Indianapolis. I just don't think this Colts team is good enough to cover 10 and a half points against anybody. Uh so yeah, I'm I'm gonna fade the ten and a half, the big points, and uh put it all on New Jersey this weekend. Mike
0: White running the uh Mac Jones offense there in New Jersey, uh just checking it down. So, you know, hopefully Darius Leonard in that defense in Indianapolis will be able to see that you just gotta guard the check down. Uh don't worry about the deep pass. But Um, yeah, no, I, I, I mean, you're getting 10 and a half points here. We got something to root for on this trash Thursday night game. Um, so yeah, I like it, Trey. Let's do it. Let's do it.
1: Thanks, Trey. Give me a reason to watch. Make my wife angry at me.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right. So, you know, after our one and three week, we are now 20 and 12 overall together. That's 62.5% success. Uh, still sharp, but you know, we're going to bring that average up. We got it. All right, let's kick off this second half. Trey kicking it right back to you for your second insight for Dynasty.
2: Yep. All right. So uh, last week, there were some uh, technical differences there in the second half. So uh, nobody got to hear my uh, my Dalton Schultz uh, hate. Uh, so I'm going to recycle that for this week. And I, I still think it's true. I still think he's a sell. So uh, the price point for Dalton Schultz is just really high right now. And this is a guy who was down in like the tight end 24, tight end 30 range back during the summer. He's now up to tight end 12 on keep trade cut. And he was as high as tight end nine just two weeks ago. So, you know, I'm slightly lower than him uh, as a low end tight end one, but that's, that's not really the point here. I mean, so Dalton Schultz, 25 year old, former fourth round pick from Stanford in year four for the Cowboys. He's having a good year so far. He's number eight in the NFL at 12.6 fantasy points per game. So there's a lot of people buying and believing in Schultz right now, but I still think this is the highest his value is ever going to be. Like I said, he is a former fourth rounder, a day three guy, and he's a good, not great athlete. He has a 7.11 relative athletic score, which means he's only a 70th percentile athlete. So not somebody who's really projecting to ever end up as a top 5 upside guy to me. And on top of that, most of his yardage this year has been on short passes that he's turned into 159 yards after the catch. That yards after the catch ranks right now number 5 in the NFL. And based on his, you know, average to slightly above average athleticism, I just don't believe that that kind of production is sustainable. So, this week the Cowboys are getting Michael Gallup back who's been out since week 1 because of injury. And I just mostly don't think that Dalton Schultz is ever going to be a top five tight end. So uh, before you compare him to guys like Kittle and Waller, other late round picks, just know that Schultz does not have the athleticism of those dudes. And athleticism is really what I want in my tight end prospects. So if you're a contender and you've got Schultz on your roster, I would trade him straight up for a guy like Dawson Knox, who slipped a little bit in the ranks. I would uh, trade him for Gronk plus a piece because I like Gronk and Knox both more rest of the season and long-term there's guys in the same range right now. Like Brandon, Ayuk, Allen Robinson, Terrace Marshall jr. Who were all like we were guys. We were very high on going into the year who have been a little bit slow through the first half of the season. And I would much rather have them long-term over Dalton Schultz and his limited ceiling in my view.
1: Yeah. This season has jaded me to the tight end position in general. It feels murkier this year than any time that I can remember. So, I'm with you. If I can take any tight end, especially in that range after the quote unquote top six that I'm not sure I believe in anymore. uh, Top five, top six guys. If I can flip that value for anything, tight end 12 for Terrace Marshall Jr. I'm jumping all over that all day. Any guy with upside, because it just feels like week to week, the tight ends uh, one through 12 are so unstable. It's hard to predict who's going to get you what. So if you can sell, Dalton Schultz, if you can get him off your roster today to get a guy with upside like Terrace Marshall Jr., Brandon you guys you know can do it based on what we've seen. Yeah, give me that all day. That's so easy.
0: Do we know where Pat Fryermuth is now in Keep Trade Cut? Is he a top twelve guy? Yeah,
2: Fryermuth had a big week last week, so uh, he jumped up quite a bit. I think he's tied in nine or so in in Keep okay. Trade Cut right now. But and
0: that's basically where Dalton Schultz was last week, and that's why you were saying, you know, when we had technical differences, hey, if you can get Pat Fryermuth
2: oh, for Dalton Schultz, go do it yeah. all day, all day. Yeah, Fryermuth was a great prospect profile coming out of Penn State you know, great production at the college level and his athleticism is as good as, if not better than Schultz.
0: Yeah. And I'm like at the point now, like if you can trade Dalton Schultz and like a fourth round pick or Dalton Schultz and somebody like, I don't know, James Washington or like Into the bench. somebody just a complete throw in and you can trade up to Pat Muth. I'm 100% doing that. I also like the idea of trading away Dalton Schultz for something like a second and Tommy Tremble, somebody who's starting to see the field in Carolina Uh, again, go Golden Domers. You know, I I don't I'm not I've joked a lot about how Tommy Tremble is the next George Kittle uh, because of his athleticism and because of his college profile being more of a blocker, but coming in and starting to get receiving looks. I don't think that's actually the case, but it's basically like if you can get a second round pick and like an upside tight end, that's kind of deeper in the rankings. I'm also doing that because I I agree with you here. You know, it's it's a little bit uh, unfortunate that uh, Mitch couldn't be here this week because he was kind of arguing the other side and that he believes in this Dalton Schultz ascendance. Um, But I think the three of us are a little bit more on the same page. So. Mitch, you're gonna have to give us a tweet about why Dalton Schultz is the real deal, bruh.
2: Yeah, especially after his uh, what two catches on seven targets last weekend for like 17 yards. So uh, he's not looking. Hey, qu- Cooper Rush, man. Cooper Rush. Yeah, that's that's true. He's not looking quite so rosy after the Cooper Rush game. But uh, hey, Dak will be back this weekend, so maybe you'll be able to still have that buying window. All right, sounds good. We're selling, I guess. All right, John, let's move to your second insight. Did Did you all see who the
1: running back one on the week was this particular week? I did say no, John, tell me it was Michael Carter Jr. And I just want to take a step back here. And I want to remind you, of I don't think it was quite, maybe it wasn't six months ago, but it was definitely over the summer. We had, uh, we had a halftime show and back then we were keeping score We, we weren't keeping score, but we had a score. And the question was, what is your favorite landing spot for running back in the NFL draft? and i said honestly the new york jets and i i got laughed off the stage i got disqualified what are you talking about john the new york jets uh, here we are and i'm here to talk to you about a breakout that has just occurred michael carter The sorry the new jersey jets my mistake trey uh all good man i, I think it's time to get it's time to go get him while you can this is what i was waiting for uh in terms of acquiring michael carter rostering him uh what we just saw this week was, uh, with a new quarterback, Mike White, 15 rushing attempts and nine receptions resulting in him being in PPR leagues, the running back one overall. Um, what I saw this last weekend is exactly what I was expecting to see from this, uh, San Francisco esque, uh, uh, attack, offensive attack here. And so it looked great. It looked exactly like what I thought Michael Carter could be. And now that I've seen it, I'm ready to go get him everywhere. Uh, there's only two questions that remain for me. Does it happen again this week with, Michael, with Mike White again? And does it continue to happen with Zach Wilson when he presumably returns? My hope is that this coaching sma- uh, this coaching staff is smart and they are going to go with what's working and they continue to pepper Carter with targets regardless of who the QB is. Like, it's working. Check it down to him. He's doing it. And since this outcome basically matched what I was expecting, uh, he's a buy now for me, like Go get him right now because this time next year we're talking about top 18 running back in dynasty Uh, if you check keep trade cut right now uh he's running back 22 i believe which is equivalent to a late first in super flex and if i can get michael carter on my roster for a late first in super flex or what would project to be a late first in super flex obviously that's not ha- been hammered out just yet Uh, I'm all over that because Michael Carter right now is better than any running back you're going to get at the back end of Superflex drafts next year. We're talking about big three guys. A guy I would have talked about, Kenneth Walker. Looks like he could be the running back one in that class. uh, Spiller from Texas A&M and Brees Hall, Iowa State. These are the three guys that are going to go first round in the Superflex drafts. And then after that, it's like a wasteland. So those guys are going in the top five, top six. And as, and then it's uh wide receiver city. So if you can get Michael, Michael Carter for a late first, do it. Cause you're not getting that in the 2022 draft. He looks great. And, um, uh, I think the breakout occurred and I expect it to
2: continue. Yeah. It's crazy thinking back to, uh, the rookie, uh, you know, evaluation period at this point, because, you know, Michael Carter was down in that same range as guys like Trey Sermon, guys like Chuba Hubbard, we were talking as like, you know, high upside, like, you know, second round picks and, uh. You know, clearly he has eaten uh, Trey Sermon's lunch. Uh, Elijah oh, yeah. Mitchell is, has eaten Trey Sermon's lunch. So uh, Michael Carter is starting to look like the, uh, you know, the best rookie or the best number four rookie uh, running back out of that class. Uh, so I, I still believe in Travis Etienne, that he's going to come back and, and be the the player that I think he was going to be with the injuries. So um, yeah, John, I I think the only thing I disagree with you on is like, would I trade a late first for him at this point in Superflex? I I get why you would want to do that, but I think there might be a little bit of opportunity cost there and that you might be able to get more for that late first later on down the road, especially at this time of year when like first round picks are like the lowest in value that they're ever going to be. So um, if it were me, I would take that deal just because I would expect that six months from now that first rounder would be worth more than whatever i could get from michael carter in a trade but it is cool to see the breakout the guy is clearly a very talented back in a good situation so uh we'll see if he can keep it up i don't know if he's going to get uh nine receptions every week but it was certainly uh cool to see that level of involvement in the uh the checkdown game from mike white
0: yeah michael Carter is good man he, he he can play uh He's my running back 26. Now Uh, I moved him up. He was about running back 29 before this past week. So I didn't go crazy like keep trade cut does every week. Um, but, uh, he did move up a couple spots. Uh, Trey mentioned Elijah Mitchell. Uh, John, would you rather have Michael Carter or Elijah Mitchell
1: right now? Michael Carter, for sure.
2: I need to update the ranks, but I agree with you. I'll take Michael Carter too.
0: Okay. I have, I have Elijah Mitchell one spot higher. I got Elijah Mitchell all the way to running back 25, um, and maybe uh that's fool me once fool me twice uh from Shanahanigans hannigan's there but right. uh, i like what i've seen and he's already dealing with an injury so it's all par for the course i'm sure he's going to be falling in my rankings very soon <laughs> but uh I'm, I'm i'm currently tilting and hedging on the air welcome to my brain keep
2: keep Tarek cut right here <laughs>
0: keep Tarek cut <laughs> yeah but michael Carter is good uh I'm kind of between y'all here. I think, like, if you really need a running back, like, um, I would rather pay a second for Zach Moss than a first uh, for Michael Carter, kind of like what we were talking about earlier in the show. Um, But if you're a big Michael Carter truther, uh, you think he's a good player and you kind of buy what John's saying here that you're not going to get anything near his value in terms of the running back position in the late first in 2022, uh, I can totally see it. Um, let's hope that uh, Zach Wilson uh, saw that and is like, oh, maybe I should check down a little bit more instead of throwing it to the other team five times a game. Yes. All right. Uh, let's move to my second insight. And uh, it's a little bit. It's also like Trey traded. Uh, it's what I was going to talk about last week. Uh, I've had another week to marinate on this point, and I'm not sure it's going to become any clearer. So I'm asking you all for help. Let's talk about this. We are seeing the return of the super young elite decade window receiver rise to the top of the dynasty boards. And I don't necessarily disagree with that, you know, the ascendance of Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson and CeeDee Lamb. But I think what it means is that it might be time to go buy some running backs. So some background since 2017, it has been all about the running back in dynasty. And I think a big part of that was Odell Beckham Jr. ripping everyone's heart out as soon as he ascended to the position between 2015 and 2016, and Dez Bryant right before him kind of did the same uh, play. The last few years, the talk has been of three-year contending windows and running backs as the most scarce, thus the most valuable assets, but roll the clock back five years and the prospect of having that elite receiver asset, whether it was Odell or Dez or Julio Jones for five to 10 years outweighed securing an elite running back against positional scarcity. Okay, so what's happening right now? I think the Saquon Barkley and CMC injury plague over the last year, coupled with this influx of record-breaking receivers, is shifting the discourse back to the desire for stability over scarcity. So we're seeing receivers climb the keep trade cut and DLF ADP boards, Ryan McDowell tweeted the new DLF first round, and DLF ADP has Chase at the 101 in 1QB, one JJF at the 103, and C. D. Lamb at the 106. Now, what this signals to me, like I said in the beginning, it's time to buy running backs. Not necessarily because I agree with one philosophy over another, but just because it's a clear trend or a zig in the market, like receivers, young receivers are the hot commodity, and it behooves the smart dynasty manager to be among the first people to zag. So uh, John, a few weeks ago, talked about CMC falling in the ranks. Does this mean that CMC is more acquirable? You know, he's maybe going to be designated to return this week. On one of my rebuilding teams, I was trying to sell Jonathan Taylor for a young receiver plus, but was met with the idea that Jonathan Taylor wasn't worth, you know, the Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson straight up. So does that mean that Jonathan Taylor is undervalued right now? Like. In a place where I have Jamar Chase, I'm sending out offers to get Jonathan Taylor plus back to see if that works. So if I'm reading the tea leaves correctly and I'm not sure that I am, but I don't think that this is always going to last. I think it's going to kind of oscillate back and forth. So what do you all think about this?
2: Yeah, this one for me, it it still kind of feels like you're dealing with a, a very limited sample of your like league mates. Right. So like Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, it's going to totally depend on who the manager is that has Jonathan Taylor or who has CMC and if they're like kind of following in line with this trend or not. Right. So I definitely think it's worth having the conversation. And I get what you're saying about maybe trying to get ahead of the market and maybe in a couple years from now, like we'll say, okay, well, actually the running backs are, you know, just as valuable as we thought they were, you know, last year. Uh, but in that case, you know, CMC shouldn't be your trade target. Then you would be wanting to go after guys like JT, like you said, or DeAndre Swift, you know, who's somebody is in my top three who profiles as like a top three guy over the next couple of years. So um, I'm not personally, I think like I still want that hero on my dynasty squad. And then I want to like fill in pieces around him. But um, yeah, I don't know. There's a, there's a lot packed in here for sure. Uh, I guess it. Maybe this is just like a huge punt on my part, but I think it just totally depends on who the managers are in your league. So definitely worth having that conversation and see if you can get uh, JT or CMC on a discount, uh, you know, relative to a guy like Jamar Chase, who's been absolutely incredible to start his his career. But I mean, we definitely expect there's going to be some touchdown regression coming.
0: Yeah, John, look, I, I guess maybe what this boils down to, and it's a lot of words just kind of to me to end up here, but Is it like, should one go try and trade Jamar Chase away for Jonathan Taylor and uh, a piece, like if that's possible?
1: That's so hard. Uh, So let me preface my answer by saying I have moved in in one QB leagues. I I do have Jamar Chase as the 1.01 overall, but then right behind him, I've got JT and DeAndre Swift. So. I mean, the value's there, right? You would you, you say, yeah, get JT Plus to go from one to two if you can. Uh, but at the same time, it's like, wow, Jamar Chase, what are we witnessing here? And I just spent the entire yeah. first half talking about true, how he's connected true. to Burrow and everything. So it's a tough call, and I think Trey's got the right idea there. It's going to depend on the value. So I, I think the best deal is going to come. Uh, from somebody else, they're going to, instead of you trying to acquire them, I think you're going to figure out how your league mates value Jamar Chase or value JT based on the deals that they send you. And that's when you got to ask yourself the questions like, what kind of value am I getting? Uh, it's going to be hard for you to justify uh, making those offers uh, because you you don't really know how other people, how they're viewing this very fluid situation. Like we're kind of in this transitory phase right now. So uh, I think a lot of people are probably stuck in redraft mode and they still value running backs, but anybody who's watched the wide receivers this year um, are probably making that that move slowly. So I don't know. It's worth having the conversation at least.
2: Yeah. And and John, you know what that made me think of is this is something Tarek brought up a while ago. I, I'm sure other pods have talked about it as well, but there's this philosophy where if you ever have a guy who's at the very top of their position yeah. that you should be trying to sell them or, or trying to move them off the, your roster because- there's no way their value can ever increase beyond where it is at this point, right? So, right, um, you know, would you then go for chase for a guy like, you know, the next tier down? You know, call it Ceedee Lamb in a first round pick, because, oh, yeah, because then, right? I don't know if Ceedee Lamb is a tier break, maybe more a guy like Devonte Adams or Terry McLaurin or whatever. That's where you think about it, right? Right? right. Yeah. yeah, if it's
0: Jamar Chase for Devonte Adams in a first. That's tough, Like, that's where you have to really think Um, anybody like Jamar Chase for anybody like DK Metcalf, AJ Brown in a first that's a no brainer for me. But once you get into that 27, 28, 29 year old tier, right? That's where it gets tough. Um, I think I'm still doing it just because like I'm so much of a of a value accumulator in Dynasty. Like, that's just how I play is like I want to accumulate value where I can, but you know Chase is he's one of those he's becoming one of those assets like Kyle Pitts and to a certain extent like Jonathan Taylor where like they're just so desirable that when you have them it's it, it, there's there's value to having them not only because they put points in your lineup at an elite rate but also because you have the luxury of time right. to where you can wait for the best possible deal right.
1: to come up right, right? and right. you can maximize that value you can wait for somebody to come with a crazy offer on the table
2: yeah put down the three first rounders and right. you know a guy like uh Najee harris or javante williams right and
1: and hey there's uh there's a trade deadline coming up in a lot of leagues here so that's when that sort of craziness will happen so the conversations need to start now in order for that sort of thing to to occur in a couple of weeks here
0: All right, that does it for episode 30 of the Long Game Dynasty podcast. Hope you got some mileage out of these week eight insights. Uh, We will be back next week to talk about the week nine slate. Later, guys. Later. See ya.